a situation where your main gaslighter is an ex that you share custody of your kids with? Do you, like my guest today, struggle with co-parenting with someone who is actively still trying to gaslight you and or your kids? Join me today as I have a on-the-fly semi-coaching session and help my guest receive some validation, support, and a few tips. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. And before we get any further into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about an epiphany I had a few weeks ago regarding my 12-week program. If you were to start my program the week of October 24th, you will get to a strategic part of my course just in time for the holidays. Now, why this is important is that you will have a whole new set of information to take into those often difficult family situations. I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I got goosebumps up and down my arms and she started crying, like realizing how powerful that would be, right? So not only will you have this new set of information, you will have so many ways to be able to tell when gaslighting attempts are happening. And therefore, you will have so much more power to not engage in them. Also, you will have a fresh set of eyes on things that will give you very powerful insights to carry into the remainder of the program. So for any of you who have been interested in doing that, I I highly encourage you to, to sign up for this kind of time, um, the October 24th week. And if you want to take it a step deeper and further, I would encourage you to sign up for either my dedicated share time or one-on-one coaching session options. I know we will have some powerful coaching moments with this fresh information and experiences as we start out the new year. Um, To clarify, we will break the week of Thanksgiving and the last two weeks of the year for the holidays. And another option that I'm super excited about is for those of you who maybe can't or Um, already have your own therapist, can't work with me financially, or um, already have a therapist, I'm really excited about the option for you to purchase this course and go through it with the support of your therapist or your peer group or whoever that might be. And you could go along at the same time and and much less cost. So wanted to let you all know about that because it could just be so, so powerful with that timing. So let's move into the word of the day today. And that is the word expect. Now, it Oxford Languages defines expect as regard someone as likely to do or be something. Now, at first glance, you might not think that expect or expectations would be a word connected to gaslighting, but it certainly is. One way is when we realistically and or fairly should be able to expect another person because of their role to do or be something like a mature contributing co-parent, right? And the other person uses a variety of gaslighting tactics to convince us that our expectations are unrealistic, right? That our realistic expectations are unrealistic. So my guest and I have a fantastic conversation around this experience. So let's get into me introducing her to you. My guest today is Sally. Sally is a mom of two. She loves exploring ideas, fact-finding, and analytics, basically understanding all things that contribute to human behavior. She loves team sports, decorating her home, especially painting while listening to my podcast. Y'all, that's how she introduced herself to me, and it was amazing. And she also enjoys playing board games with her friends. 
Welcome to the show, Sally. I'm so excited to dig into our topic today with you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Sally, as always, I love to have my guests share a little bit about themselves so that, you know, myself and my listeners can connect, right? Because when we connect with people, we feel the impact of their stories more and we can also relate it back to our lives even more. And I know you've shared that very thing that you've experienced on the other side of this, right? Like as a listener, um, So will you share a little bit about how you got to where you find yourself in this co-parenting place, you know, with a person that continues to do the gaslighting behavior? Sure, sure. So I I met this person 10 years ago. And as I I met him, I was, you know, very active, um, very, I've always been an outgoing person, um, Mm -hmm. extremely happy and not really um, worried in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so we got, we got kids pretty soon after we met and 10 years down the road, we had two kids and got a divorce, um, which is now a little more than a year ago. Okay. And do you mind sharing a little bit of the details of what led to the divorce? Not at all. Um, I think, like a year before the divorce, I was really confused and I mm-hmm. was kind of ready to let go of it all, but stayed with it due to the children. And I, yep. I wasn't really sure what exactly mm-hmm. was wrong or how mm-hmm. I could work on it and work on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then a year after he um, disclosed that he has been um, seeing somebody else, it was one night stand, but she got pregnant. Um, oh wow! Okay, so so that was kind of what led to uh, me kind of feeling a, a free space to think it all through. Um, it right. took a couple of months, yeah, before we came to the divorce conclusion. But uh, but mm-hmm. that was kind of the the D day, as you name it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also sounds a little bit like maybe the final straw. Kind of like, you know, all of this stuff had been culminating over time, right? But then that D-Day kind of experience was the final straw. Even if it took a few months to process it, that was like the, you know, what broke the camel's back kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there there was a lot about, you know, then it's not, the decision is not fully on me. Mm -hmm. It's not something that, Mm -hmm. that felt like I should have just fought more or maybe I'm just crazy. It was like, you know, there's, there's evidence out there that shows that it's okay now to leave. Yes. I cannot tell you, you know, I've, I've worked with so many different people in different situations, whether their person is an addict or they have, you know, had affairs or, or different things. And, um, you know, many people go through this this kind of season where they, um, you know, they're trying to save the marriage kind of a thing, right? So they're trying to forgive their person or they're trying to work on themselves because, you know, maybe if I work on myself then things will get better, right? Because they're, they're hoping that things will change. And in the meantime, you know, they, they kind of feel like, or not, they kind of feel like I, I, I have had so many, of my clients 
say a phrase, something similar to, I wish they would just cheat again, or I wish they would fall off the right. Like, like I need that final big kind of thing in order to feel that relief or release to make the decision that I kind of know in my gut is what I need to make for myself. And, um, it's so interesting because I came across this quote in a, in one of the books I like to recommend to a lot of my people, which is, um, it's called Beyond Boundaries by, I think, let me, let me pull it out here for my readers and for you. It's um, by Dr. John Townsend. And in it, he talks about how over time we become desensitized to bad behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So like yeah, we're, we're yeah. in this, right? We're in these relationships where maybe the behavior isn't hugely bad, right? But it's bad enough to make us feel yeah. off and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we become desensitized to it. So we need something big, <laughs> right? To yeah, like, exactly. Like the aggregation of all the small drips. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's actually yeah. funny because like, I think a year before we divorced, I told mm-hmm. my, my best friend, I told her that I just wish there was some kind of event yeah. that would kind of, you know, send me in one or the other direction. And I mean, an event is typically in that direction of, of getting yeah. a divorce. And then I, I yeah. called her when, when I just found out and I was like, I got the event. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry. Wow. I mean, we, we don't ever want that to happen, but it is so helpful, right? For, for those of us I, who go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was I was like equally shocked, angry and relieved because yeah. it was like yes. and then he was open yes. so I was like tell me everything that happened, tell mm-hmm. me if this happened before and of course it did. There was like a series of one night stands. And so the only yeah. reason he told me was that it led to a pregnancy and yeah. she didn't want to get an abortion, so he was like kind of cornered up. Yeah. I'm so glad that you named that, right? Because I think it can be really confusing for people when they feel those that mix of feelings like shocked, maybe sad too, maybe not, depending on where you're at in the relationship, but, you know, shocked, angry, and relieved. I think Mm -hmm. that relieved part really confuses people and it can cause them to go to a place of of self-shame, right? Like, why am I feeling relieved? I shouldn't feel relieved. I should want my marriage to be okay, right? Like, yeah, we, we, we shame ourselves for feeling that relief. And so I'm, I'm so glad that you named that as a, as a very powerful thing to name. And I make up a lot of people are going to really relate to that and feel a lot of validation just from hearing some, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that felt that weird mix (laughs) of things, right? Um, So thank you for naming that. Yeah, it was a weird mix. At that point, I actually, Mm -hmm. I didn't shame myself on feeling relieved, but I did it the year back when I was kind of hoping for something bad to happen. So there was like a point to an end to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that vulnerability. Um, So you said something a little bit ago that I kind of wanted to hit on as we're, you know, trying to talk about this kind of co-parenting aspect that I have had so many people have to work through and have to go with, right? Like I I remember somebody even not that long ago, it was a relatively new session that I was having with somebody. And this was one of the things that she came to me about is because she wants to learn how to you know, deal with the gaslighting that continues to happen with this person that she has to co-parent with, right? Because mm. not everybody gets to walk away from their gaslighter if they're not stopping, right? And I don't no. mean like we get to divorce, but even if you divorce, 
you know, if that's the option that we need to do, you don't always get to be done with them and cut them out of your life completely. You have to figure out how to co-parent with them. So how do I do that? Right. And, you know, as we were talking and based on her kid's age, it was like, well, you got about eight more years that you're going to have this person in your life. Right. So you got to, you got to figure out how do I do this? Right. Um, but, but what you said earlier that I wanted to touch on for just a second is that I know for a lot of you know, stereotypically, I work with mostly women in this position, but I know it can be men too. But um, the the one parent who's not the gaslighter, not wanting to leave the relationship because they don't want to hurt their kids, right? So yeah. they stay in the relationship much longer than they otherwise would have. So I know you already said that this was the case for you. Um, do you feel like you're still in the middle of making peace with that? Or do you already kind of have peace with like, no, this was not just the best decision for me, but it was the best decision for my kids. And I have peace with that. It it took me four years to get okay. there, kind of. Okay. So yeah. when, when, when the kids were smaller, I felt like setting boundaries and doing that in different ways and manners. Mm-hmm. I felt like the only thing that was left here was to say, if, if you don't respect that, I'm going to leave you. And yeah. I knew by heart that I wasn't going to do that. So I never kind of mm. threatened with that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that feeling of, you know, maybe it's better for the kids not to grow up in, in these dynamics that is in the yeah. house now. It just yeah. came, you know, it, it was there for a second here and there. And then for four years, it just grew. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, when I finally made the decision, mm-hmm. I was really sure that it was going to be for the better, but I still have kind of feel shame and I, I feel yeah. responsible for their being unhappy about the fact that their parents are no longer together. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm ever going to actually let go of that. But yeah. but what taught me was that when I when when we made the decision and just a couple of months down the road, I've already let him go emotionally mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. it was more about the dream of how a family looks like it was yes. more about what you want to yes. do for the kids the dynamics of that and all yeah. of that that was really really hard to let go and i'm mm-hmm. still working on that yeah you know so that makes me think of one of the things that i work a lot with my clients on this a little sneak peek into kind of a mini session <laughs> right like what was really helpful for me in my process you know growing up like super conservative Christian, strong Midwestern family values, right? There are lots of messages where, um, you know, in my values work, I take people through this process where we do five things that all start with R. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not really typically good at doing that kind of a thing where everything starts with the same letter, but this one I was. Um, But one of the things we do is we release a value in order to redefine it these are the R's, right? So we release in order to redefine and then we can reclaim it once we redefine it. So I joke around and I say, you know, in our Western Judeo-Christian kind of value system, family is defined role-based. So mom and dad and 2.3 kids. And that's the part where I'm joking around, right? Because like, (laughs) you know, statistically speaking, it's 2.3. But, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to not think I'm breaking up my family and I'm messing up my kids because there's no way I'm going to be able to keep that family unit together. 
right? If I divorce, right? It's no longer going to be the definition of family being mom and dad and 2.3 kids. Yeah. And so what I challenge my clients to do is redefine family, not based on roles, but based on values, right? So, so when I started to do that and I thought, okay, family for me means safety. It means honesty. It means trust. It means laughter. It means fun. Like when I, when I, yeah. if I go through and I describe what does family actually mean to me, my kids and I were able to have a stronger, more pure um, experience of family than if my ex were a part of that family unit. Does yeah. that make sense? Because yeah, he brought definitely. in yeah. dishonesty because he brought in, you know, all of these things that would have been adding shit to the mix you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> instead of keeping it, yeah. keeping it like just normal kind of family drama. Right. Like, it, and so for yeah. me, that helped me really kind of make peace with this, this idea of, um, you know, knowing what I know from my world and my work that I do, it only takes one secure attachment for a child to be able to raise and have an, a healthy a healthy attachment style. So you don't have to have two parents, right? Is it great and is it helpful especially it listen, single momming is the hardest damn thing I have ever done in my life. I was a single mom for almost 7 years. Yeah. Right? It is really hard. So I'm not I'm not minimizing that and and how great and how amazing it is to have a intimate partner that truly partners and all of those types of things. Of that being said, when we're talking about this thing of the fear of hurting our kids, causing us to stay in an environment that is toxic, right? It's better to be single and have the the removal of that toxicity as much as possible, mm-hmm. right? Versus staying in that. So, anyways, redefining family yeah, really helped me. Yeah, that's it's helpful. I didn't I didn't think about it as you know the value perspective, but it definitely mm-hmm. took me way too long to figure out yeah. that you know, getting out of that toxic environment will be better for both yeah. me and the kids. Yeah. There's just just kind of a, a drawback on that being that I felt like I needed to catch some of the situations and mm-hmm. catch the kids in these. Yes. Whereas now co-parenting, yes. I'm not able to be there. I'm, I'm not going to be right. there to catch it. So, and, right. and all of these, you know, narcissistic kind of behaviors and, tr- and yep. traits and so on. I was looking a lot for them in the kids because I'm so mm-hmm. afraid that they kind of adapted that. So it, it makes mm-hmm. me really relieved and calm to hear that, you know, one parent can actually do a lot of damage you control. <laughs> you you can, absolutely. So that let's let's go ahead and shift into that because I'd love to, you know, both share some stories and, you know, real time give you some tips right away um that some of my listeners i'm sure a lot of my listeners can can actually use right so um i know that you're saying you have lots of <laughs> stories you could glean from right about what you experience as ongoing gaslighting with your partner or your ex sorry um whether that's directly or you think he's gaslighting your kids mm-hmm. i love that's a great part of this story too not great as far as you but great no, to bring no. to my listeners right <laughs> because everybody deals with that. That's a fear I hear over and over again is like, how am I going to keep my, my ex from doing these behaviors to my children? And we can't, but there are things that we can do, um, to counteract it, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, and so let's, let's go into this part of our kind of interview. And I'd love for you to share a few examples of how you're experiencing this as you're trying to co-parent. Yeah, sure. So I think one example is when you hear from your kids, something that was said with the other parent, um, yep. that could be, you know, I have a ton of examples. One of them could okay. be that, you know, <laughs> When my son was asked by his um, his dad to take the dishes out, he kind of started refusing because he was doing some something else. And then um, okay. his dad gets really kind of anxious. I told you once, just go do it. Um, okay. So he told me he was doing it because he was afraid that he got you know too upset. So he yeah. took the dishes out, except for for his dad's own dish. Um, mm-hmm. So his dad was like, you know can you take this as well? And my son was like, well, you expect us to take our own dishes out. So I expect that you can take your own dish out. Uh-huh. And then his dad said, oh my God, you're just like your mom. Just Ooh, okay. And, uh-huh. and then my son, he was actually, he was really kind of sad when he told me he wasn't crying, but you could hear from his voice that he kind of, you know, that was just uncomfortable for him. So I was like, yep. okay, so what happened? What did you do? And he was like, yeah, I took the dish because yeah, I, I wasn't going to put, put fire into this. And then, yeah, um, yeah, everything was, uh, was okay <laughs> from then. Mm-hmm. Then it felt like nothing happened. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, when you're dealing with people that are not trying to get better as a person, (laughs) you know, um, typically the person that is doing the gaslighter, um, not doing the gaslighter, doing the gaslighting behavior, they're kind of relentless, right? Like they're not going to give in until they get what they want. In this case, they, you, you know, your ex used a couple of different things to, um, you know, basically get the boy to take care of all the dishes, right? You said your son, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, right. So that's an example that where, you know, he didn't have to go into some super crazy, huge abusive thing, but this shaming sentence, right. Of like, oh, you're just like your mom. Yeah. Right? This and was just definitely, after we split. Exactly. So, and yeah. there's definitely a negative connotation there. Right. Yeah. Not to say that being like you is bad, but he's implying that there's something negative there. Right. Yeah. When in fact, it was really good that your son stood up for himself. Right. But, um, you know, one of the things that whether your ex knows it or not, one of the things that a lot of gaslighters will do is they'll do things to condition the other person. Right. So, so if I, um, you know, say this type of thing in this situation, the next time he'll be less likely to complain. He'll just take the dish. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it works. And And I heard a lot of this stuff before we divorced. So it was always like, you know, your mom wouldn't be doing great on her own. She couldn't even take the groceries inside on her own. You know, your mom is never doing the dishes. Your mom is not doing this and this and this. So Mm -hmm. it it wasn't kind of, you know, it was something he heard before. It just hit harder here for him. And it's it's these kind of small things. And I I think he was really emotional about it since he came and told me, but he was also nervous about telling me this because he's kind of being put put in a position where... Yeah. You know, he has to kind of choose sides, which he doesn't yep. want to. Yeah. 
Um, I'll get into some strategies about that in the, um, yeah. you know, actually let's do things a little bit. Y'all, um, my listeners, we're, you're just going to roll with me a little bit today. <laughs> um, I think what will be, um, what feels good to me this is my podcast. I get to do what I want. <laughs> so what feels good to me is to do it a little bit less in segments and not have a formal deconstruction zone or a formal, um, set your alarm, but kind of do it as we go. Right. So kind of like I just did there, I kind of okay. deconstructed what happens. And so I want to do like a little kind of what set your alarm, like what can you do? Sure. Um, in this situation, we'll take a couple of situations and we can wrap it up. So, um, you know, for this, one of the things I know a lot of moms that I hear um, work with, they they don't, they're, and they're, <laughs> I, I want to be really gentle with the way that I say this. We can tend to be overly um, protective mm -hmm. of the ex. Yeah. Right. I don't want to paint him as a monster or like, I don't want to put my kids in the middle, but what we have to be careful of in that situation is not gaslighting our children. I, I right? did that. But, I, I gaslighted yeah. them in the beginning of the divorce. Yeah. Um, because again, because we don't, we don't want them to be without their dad or without their, you know, mom or whoever the no. other partner is. Right. We're like, we don't want them to ruin the relationship with them. But if we are painting a picture, anything other than what is, accurate for their parent, um, any, any problems like this that the child might have, um, it's going to be harder for them to reconcile this mm -hmm. picture that the gaslighters already given them. And then we're supporting, but their experience is different. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. How can I reconcile this? Like dad says he's great. And mom says dad is great, even though she divorced him <laughs> and I'm having this negative experience. So what does that say about me? Right. So it doesn't mean we have to paint them in a negative light, but I think it's really important. One of the best things we can do in those types of situations is validate the child, like really thank them. Like, thank you. That must've been really scary to talk to me about that. And it's so important that you let me know that that happened and just really getting curious with them. Like, how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel sad and it made me feel like that's not fair. And it made me like, and we just validate like, yeah, that's not, that's not really that fair. And I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. Yeah. Right. We don't yeah. have to say like, yeah, your dad is such an asshole. He shouldn't. <laughs> right. Like, we don't have to go. We don't. It doesn't have to be kind of like this all or nothing. No. Right. The balance is just it's so hard because I it's mean, it's hard. Yeah. We had like this. Can I can I get an example more? Please. Yeah. Please. We had like there was this costume for Halloween that uh -huh. we both decided the year before that he could get okay. one of one of our sons. Uh -huh. And he was like, yeah, then I don't have to get one next year. And and this is not, you know, a huge thing where we come from. So it was uh -huh. like, okay, fine. Then next year, you'll just have to fin find something in the closet. And and this was yeah. something about, you know, teaching something about, you know, value. Just don't go out sure. and buy every time, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And when it then hit, then his dad was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to find something. And I had mm -hmm. like this huge argument with my son about this was the agreement last year. So it's yeah. not going to happen again. You'll have to find, I'm happy to help you. You cannot just promise your friends you're going to be this figure for Halloween because yeah. we're not going to buy your costume. That's kind yeah. of the agreement, right? Yeah. And then he calls me the day of Halloween and he was so happy. So he was like, yeah, dad bought me this costume that mm -hmm. I wanted. And I even, mm -hmm. you know, I told him I can help you. He, he mm -hmm. was at his dad at that week. 
I can help mm-hmm. you find something. We're not going to buy this for him as we all yeah. agreed last year. Yeah. You know, all of that because you kind of know in the back of your mind that he's not going to do anything and he's just going to give it to him. But the way yeah. he did it was like, then then I was on speaker and I didn't know. So I was like, can I talk to your dad? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know I was on speaker there. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, why did you buy him the costume? I thought we agreed. And he was like, in defense, just like that. He was like, yeah, yeah. I'm spending my own money. I want to make our son happy. Why the hell can't you see that? You can't even allow me to make our son happy. And you want to complain about everything, you know, all that stuff. And I was, you know, pretty hard to get at that moment. So I was just like, of course. Yeah, I, I was just like, you know what? That's it's just not fair, and I can't trust you. And my son heard mm-hmm. all of that, and I didn't know. So he was like, "Well, you're on speaker," so that wasn't yeah. really nicely said. And after yeah. that, it just feels like you know, I I'm afraid that my son feels like, oh, don't get mad at dad when I tell you these things. Mm-hmm. He's still telling me, but he's so afraid that I'm gonna get mad at okay. his dad. That I try to compensate for that sure, in different scenarios. And I think I actually gaslit him then because I was Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, overprotective of the relationship with his dad. Yeah. Yeah. So how old is his son? Do you mind telling? Okay. Um, So, so first of all, just to deconstruct that little bit, um, what your ex did firstly was ignore your boundaries. Right. And that's not okay. Right? Yeah. Especially if there had been an agreement already. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I teach when I talk about boundaries are boundaries aren't just like don't do this and don't do that. <laughs> right. Like boundaries are I value this. And because I value this, we're going to make decisions based on this value. Yeah. Okay. So um if you're valuing trying to teach your son financial responsibility. Cause that's not right. Like, and, and not, I mean, there could be so many different reasons, right? Like reusing stuff so that it's more earth friendly and, you know, like eco-friendly, right? Like, so not just be buying stuff and then throwing it away after wearing it one time, right? Like the the funny stuff is that value in particular is something I know his dad values until it's easier for him to devalue that. Yeah. Well, you combine that with, this was an opportunity for him to undermine you. And love bomb his child. Yeah. Right yeah, now he's like the rock star dad, right? Who will go against mom, <laughs> right? And buy the flashy, great, you know, costume that's going to make him the star and happy and all of these things, right? So yeah. there's a lot that happened in that situation. So of course you were upset. Of course you felt unfair because th- that it was unfair because it was and he undermined and whether he knew it or not is again not a part of what I'm trying to do here we can't know his level of awareness right and how intentional he was in doing those things regardless that's what his behaviors did his behaviors undermined your parenting right and that's not that's such so problematic when we're trying to co-parent it's like well and the, you, you know what you said like this isn't fair i can't i can't trust you you can't like mm. how how am i supposed to be able to set rules and boundaries with my son if you're just going to ignore them when he's with you yeah <laughs> right? and this like, in particular was a rule mm-hmm. and a boundary we did together before we got right. divorced so i right. and and of course there was some you know alarm in my head saying that you need yeah. to kind of assure that this did, doesn't happen because I could yeah. kind of foresee it happen. But I, I yeah. Yeah. 
you know, um, and I think one of my tips or tools regarding this situation is, um, I was actually talking with a, a friend of mine about this the other day. Listen, we all mess up as parents. Mm-hmm. We all lose our shit, yell at them sometimes, right? Like we all maybe, um, like in this case, say things in front of them, like you unknowingly said it in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we knowingly yeah, say things sure. in front of our kids, right? That later we're like, oh, that was a little bit too much, mm-hmm. right? Or I, I didn't keep my cool enough or whatever, right? Like, and, um, and my friend was talking about not wanting to pass on generational trauma and different things like this. And I was like, well, things become trauma when they stay unprocessed. Yeah. Okay. So if we mess up, if we were like, well, shit, now my, now my son is kind of nervous to tell me things because he's afraid I'm going to get mad at his dad. Well, number one, we need to take that awareness into our future conversations. Like, okay, even if my son tells me something that is really infuriating, I am going to, um, I'm going to save my emotional response for when I'm with my therapist or when I'm writing my journal or, you know, whatever it might be, that is not gaslighting, right? Um, One thing that can be kind of tricky when we've been lied to um, is feeling like if we aren't completely 100% telling everybody everything, then we're also being dishonest. But the, the, the especially important thing to understand with our kids is um, the information that we give to them is the information that is due to them for their development, for their ability to make decisions with their own parents, et cetera. Does that make sense? And age appropriate, which is why I asked the age. Yeah. Right. So So, hard to balance. So you're not, I just want to, I want to be clear. You're not gaslighting him if you don't respond angrily, right? Like, well, I'm Mm. not, you know, I'm, I'm pretending to be happy. No, you're not pretending to be happy. You're saving your anger for later. Right. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? The difference there? I think that's really important. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm kind of a transparent person. So it's I not understand. like, you know, I need to yell loudly that his dad is wrong or anything like right. that. I, I think I'm, right. you know, pretty calm and controlled, but, but I would yeah. tell him now something like, you know, I understand why you feel this way. Yeah. Um, and sometimes he asked me, what, what do you think I should do? And yeah, that's good. You know, that's really hard because I I want to guide him, so I'm always asking the question back to him. So what do you, what would you like to do? Yeah. Um, and and he knows I'm gonna help him talk to his mm-hmm. dad about stuff if he wants. Mm-hmm. But a couple of times I did that. His dad is just putting that mask on that says, "Oh yeah, sure, sure, I understand. I'll work on that." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna do anything about it. But then it yeah. backfires to me, right? Yeah. Well, that's where I think we can do things like when our when our kids come to us and say that like, you know, a, a fairly common, you know, shared family thing with maybe, let's say, a, a kind of more what we call deadbeat dad or deadbeat mom. Right. Like, um, you know, and they're supposed to come and take their kid to some great thing or whatever. And the the, the parent doesn't show up. Right. Yeah. And the kid will be like, but but they said they were going to be here. And we're like, I know, honey, it's so hard yeah. when they say something and then don't follow through. That's really hard and it's confusing and it's all of these different feelings and all, right. And just, again, the more we help them process, the more we're going to help them as, especially as they continue to get older, to be able to see, um, the behaviors that aren't healthy with the other parent, right. Not that we're perfect, but (laughs) there's a difference, right. But I think Um, that's, that's exactly where I've 
gaslit or I think I've mm-hmm. gaslit beforehand mm-hmm. because when that happened or, you know, he came late to birthdays or, mm-hmm. you know, my son kind of expressed he wanted to spend more time with his dad and I expressed to him, we'll yeah. try to figure out how to do that. And then nothing happens. Then he kind of, he was like, you know, saying, I don't think that wants to. And then I was like, oh, yeah, dad wants to. He's just really busy at work, you know, kind of, you know, explaining away instead of just yeah. saying, yes. that's not a nice feeling to have. And just exactly. stay in that one. Yeah, exactly. So I think you just named it right there and good job, right? Like, yes, we don't want to say we don't want to bullshit our kids and say, oh, yeah, yeah, dad does want to be here. Yeah. We say, you know what, I, you know that I, I don't understand. Like, I'm sorry. Right. Like. this is not, and I think the important thing that we must do with our children is every time we can bring it back to, this is not about you. Yeah. Right. Um, like you're an amazing person. You're so much fun. And, you know, I've actually worked with some of my adult clients on this, this feeling that they have that probably stems from childhood. Right. Um, where, um, I use an example of something that is worth, a lot, right? Like the example that I use with a lot of my clients, which some people might know what this is and some people might not, but do you know what um, a Ming vase is? Yeah. Okay. So um, I was working with a client once and she didn't know what that was. And so she quickly Googled it while we were in session. And the first article that popped up was how somebody bought a Ming vase at a garage sale for like 20 bucks. And then turned around and sold it for $5 million or something like that. I can't remember how many, but it was right. Um, So it's not the Ming Ming vase. It's not the Ming vase's fault that the first person didn't value it. In fact, the story went that they had been using it as a doorstop to keep a door open, (laughs) right? This $5 million vase they were using as a doorstop. Yeah. Right. And so we take that and we're just like, okay, so when we are with these people that are broken and they can't see our value, what ends up happening is we unknowingly allow them to define our, our sense of worth as well. And yeah. so we start seeing ourselves as a doorstop instead of seeing ourselves as a five fucking million dollar vase. <laughs> right. Cause that's what we, that's what we are. I get so passionate about this cause it makes me so angry. Cause I work with the most amazing people all the time. And I'm like, how do these like toxic people constantly win over these amazing people that are so amazing. Anyways. Um, so taking something comparable like that, yeah. like thinking it through, like what would your son understand is super valuable. Right. And being like, you know, like the most amazing gift he could ever think of like a horse or who, who knows, whatever. Right. Like, you know, if someone left that horse out in the field and didn't take care of it, it's not the horse's fault. It's not because it's not right or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. But I that kind point. of a thing and really helping him understand that these things that his dad does. And even when you got mad in that moment, it's not because he did something wrong because kids developmentally are tend to make things the stories, the narrative, they tend to blame everything on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, developmentally, that's just what they do. So so our job, the best thing that we can do as we're trying to navigate this wonky stuff that happens co-parenting, especially with co-parenting with a gar- gaslighting potentially narcissist, right, mm-hmm. is to continually remind them, this is not about you. This is not about yeah. you. You're amazing, yeah. right? Like when I got mad, I wasn't mad at you. You did nothing wrong. I was mad at daddy, right? It's okay yeah. to say that we're mad at another person. That yeah, validates- I learned that. I, I, yeah, I did learn yeah. that, but it took me a while. And I think yeah. like luckily 
our oldest is pretty robust. So he told me okay. kind of proactively, I know this has nothing to do with me and I understand Good. why you get mad about that costume. But I was just so he was kind of excusing himself for why he was being happy about mm. it and didn't stop his dad. So mm. it's actually it's a when our our youngest, he blames everything on his himself. So that's yeah. exactly how you say. The oldest one is more like, you know, he feels like a responsibility of maybe trying to balance our relationship. So when when my youngest were old or younger, he always wanted me to tuck him in. So every time he was like, no, mom has to do that. Then the oldest were like, I like that doing it. So he was kind of keeping the balance all the time. Yeah. And I think he took yeah. that even further into the divorce. And that's really hard to see that he's like, that's a, that's a different role to take on you. That's a heavy lift for him. For sure. Yeah. And it's hard for us as the parent, right? Because we're, we're having, there's no, there's no manual for this type of, I mean, there's no. hardly a manual for parenting in general, but there's especially not <laughs> a manual for this kind of parenting, no. right? It's really hard. And so, you know, when you have the different dynamics with the different kids, you're, you know, you're not just learning you know, how to parent post-divorce, you're learning how to parent post-divorce with somebody who's doing gaslighting. And then you're learning how to parent post-divorce with somebody who's doing gaslighting and with two kids who respond to it in two different ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah, just a true. lot to, yeah, that's, it's that's a lot to learn. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure we could go on and on with lots of different examples. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd like to end this segment by, you know, just kind of talking a little bit about how this is impacting you. Right. Like what are some of the effects that having to parent like this is having on you day to day basis or even situationally? Yeah, definitely. So I think I've um, I, I went into after the divorce, I went into kind of a practical moment. So I felt like I was, mm -hmm. you know, going through all the emotions. So angry, grieving, sadness, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. But what I learned now on the other side is that I was really practical. So I was, you okay. know, fixing stuff both for me mm -hmm. and for the for my ex husband in order to get mm -hmm. the the two places settled. Um, yeah, kind of catching the kids emotionally and mm -hmm. and everything within that. And now it feels like it's getting a bit calmer. They're getting used to kind of moving from house to house and different rules and all of that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm struggling a lot with being, I'm extremely insecure. It's really hard for mm. me to believe in my own kind of gut feeling. Okay. So I really have to have to constantly find evidence that mm -hmm. I'm right. So that could mm -hmm. be everything from my ex-husband claiming that he doesn't have money to take our youngest to a therapist because he invested mm. it all. And then he told mm. me the other day, eh, luckily he didn't invest it all because the market crashed. And I was like, well, you okay. told me that that's why we didn't get money for the therapist. <laughs> he was like, I never told you that. I just told you uh, that I was supposed to do that. So now I have to uh, go back to the window and check my, yeah. my texts to kind of validate myself. I have to do that over and over again. And of course, mm, I mean, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And yeah. then I think I doubt myself and there's like, mm -hmm. you know, low self-esteem and, and the feeling of needing to overcompensate for mm -hmm. what he doesn't do. Mm -hmm. And I think the most kind of the part that takes most energy out of me is that I can predict whenever something 
mm. is not landing on his foot, whether that's a kid's birthday, a soccer mm. practice, you know, something that the kids value that I know is a bit, yeah. you know, just, yeah, he doesn't want to do that or he doesn't have time for it or doesn't mm. prioritize. If I let that go without reminding him or saying to him, I can do that or yeah, I can take the kids every second weekend you have them because you want to go party or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Ugh. I don't do that, it feels like, you know, I kind of let them down because I could yeah. have reacted. But on yeah. the other hand, I don't know how to teach him mm. to take responsibility. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle there. And that's what I'm working on right now. So kind of. You are. Yeah, you are. And it, it's kind of there's there's so much of that part of that. When anything that has to do with him, you're powerless, mm-hmm. right? Like you could be the best teacher in the world, right? The best communicator, all of these things. And yeah. you could be like present wrapping, you know, like all of this information and being like, here, all you have to do is open this and exactly. everything will go perfectly. And he's like, meh, I'm going to throw this on the couch, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, oh my God, I did that so much. I spent so much right? time doing that. Well, yeah. It's, it's because, and the reason we do that is because if they don't, open that gift that we're trying to give them, mm-hmm. things go to shit, yeah. right? So we understand that we can connect those dots. And so we spend so much time, you know, trying to figure out, well, maybe if I wrap it in this paper instead exactly. of the paper I used last, yeah. right? Maybe if I tweak it this way, he'll get it this right? So what I try to actually encourage people to do is basically um, accept I know it's hard, but kind of the more we can move into acceptance of, you know what, Um, this person just doesn't want to open this gift, at least not now, not where they're at in their life. So um, I, if I can kind of expect them to disappoint, (laughs) right. Exactly. Then I won't be, then I won't be surprised. I'm, I'm prepared. I have a plan, right. So like maybe he's supposed to take the kids, but you have a plan B just in case he doesn't. Mm. Right. So that you're, you don't have to try to get him to do stuff. You're empowered. So I'm going to, I'm going to operate as if he's going to um, show up, but I'm also going to kind of expect him to disappoint. And then I'm going to be prepared in case he does that way. Me and the kids aren't left hanging. Right. It's just, Um, it feels like, I mean, I'm trying to do exactly that, but I'm, it's really a journey. So it feels like right now I'm in the middle. So I'm, I'm spending energy on, you know, getting into my head that what I think normal people should understand from you kind of, you know, (laughs) normal conversations, normal empathy, looking at the kid, you know, normal prioritization where he isn't the only one. Yep. That, that doesn't work. So kind of put that aside, but on the other hand, trying to spend energy a bit on that Mm -hmm. and also having plan B's all the time. It's yeah. like, why am I co-parenting? It would be easier if it was just me then because I'm spending, you know, twice the energy. <laughs> for sure. I For sure. I can't, again, I can't tell you how many people I've heard say that before. Yeah. It would just be easier. And, and, yeah. and, you know, the thing I, I think maybe this is where we can end with this part um, today is the thing that I try to, you know, remind people when they're in this place is it's not fair. Mm. It's yeah. just absolutely not fair. You don't deserve this. It's not, you know, and like kind of being able to say to ourselves, it's okay for me to be angry about this. I shouldn't have to do all this work. It's not fair that I carry 80% of the burden and, you know, get 20% of the, or whatever it is, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's not 
fair and bringing it back to where the the question that helped me again, that helped me so many different times when my ex was incarcerated, but I was still married to him. And I chose to take my kids to go visit him. Mm -hmm. Right. It was like, this is stupid. This is not fair. Like blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, well I have a choice. I can choose to do this or I can choose to do something else. Right. And we don't always get the choice we want, but we always have a choice. Right. And so like leaning into leaning into, okay, where do I have choice? Because that helps bring it a little bit less out of feeling completely powerless anywhere that we're able Mm -hmm. to find where we have some power, even if it's, even if the only place that we have choice is how to look at the situation. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we can't change the details, but it's like, maybe if I just, you know, turn it a little bit, I can look at it differently and I won't feel so much resentment or I won't feel so much of this. And I won't. So on all those feelings are valid. It's not that those feelings no, are no, valid. No, no, no. Nope, right. It's that we don't want to, we don't want them to take root because then they're toxic for us. Yeah. And I think kind of right, right now, my default option is yeah. to feel this is not fair. So yeah. trying to tweak kind of the view of the situation a bit. I think that's helpful. Good. For my set your alarm segment, since I did things on the fly today, let let me remind you, there's a tongue twister there, some of the things that I said to Sally that can help you set your alarm too. Number one, pay attention to undermining behavior by your co-parent, especially love bombing to the child that ignores your boundaries that you have either requested and or agreed upon with your co-parent. Number two, try to not gaslight your kids as you are trying to reassure them, right? I know it can be a fine line, but you are not responsible for painting your ex in a good light. You don't have to go all the way up, all the way to the other extreme of painting them as a monster, but you don't have to gaslight your child in order to cover up the behaviors of your ex, okay? You're in your co-parent. Number three, validate your child's experience while they were with the other parent, right? Get curious with them and help them process, especially reminding them that this is not about them and it's not their fault. Okay, that's it for setting our alarms today. As I wrap up, I wanted to invite you to come have a conversation with me like I did today with Sally. We can work to keep you anonymous and safe while feeling the power of sharing your story and helping others who are going through something similar to you. You can begin that process today by going to sarahmoralescoaching.com and clicking on the contact me tab. I'll have the link in the show notes for you. Sally, thank you so much for bringing these examples today. I know we didn't like super solve a whole lot of the world's problems, but I think (laughs) what we did um, by you coming on and sharing this is just brought a very important topic um, to the conversation of my community and one that I know a lot of people are really going to feel validated, which to me is one of the most empowering feelings when we know what we're feeling or what we're struggling with is normal. It's not because we're a bad parent or because we're any fill in the blank, right? It's because we're normal, yeah. right? Yeah. This is how, this is the struggle that people have when they're living in these types of circumstances. This is what it is. It's hard. And so, um, again, I thank you for bringing this and and showing up so vulnerably. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. 100%.
And finally, thank you, my listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it into the hands of more people who could benefit from it, please leave a review and subscribe. Additionally, if you can think of one person in specific who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. Wendy, do your thing. We got stars and